Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. So that sound like Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. <laughs> I didn't mean to. This <laughs> is a story all about how George Washington almost got murdered. And welcome to episode 298 of the Professional Book Nerds Podcast, presented by Overdrive. This is Jill. Hi, Adam. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. How's it going? It's good. Uh, you and I haven't seen each other in like several weeks. It's been a while. Yeah, because we record all the intros for everything and all the episodes we needed in advance because we were both going to be out for a long, a long time. So it was like, it was, I don't know, I feel like... I was glad that before we started recording, we were kind of catching each other each other up on life because if not, we could have this could have been like a four hour episode. That's very true. Between all That's the January true. books and catching up, um, yeah. So the holidays have come and gone. Indeed, people have had your eggnog and your presents and you sang your old lang syne and all that stuff. And now we can talk about January, which is crazy. It's twenty nineteen. It's twenty nineteen. At the time of recording, I move into my house in ten days. Thank. God, thank whatever God people pray to. It's been a, it's a long saga. <laughs> it has been a long saga. And as much as I complain on here, it's only like one twentieth of what I actually complain about. Um, do you want to tell people about the our reading challenge though? Since it's still like the very beginning of January, it's probably sure. a good idea to do. So we decided to put together a reading challenge for our listeners, and um, you know that you can fill out over the course of the year as you read books that fit each category or whatever there's 12 of them um and you can find the challenge on our website professionalbooknerds.com and also on twitter and instagram we are at probooknerds for both of those um yeah yeah that's everything and um just because i know that the holidays are a time when people might not be listening to podcasts because they're traveling and stuff in case you missed some of our episodes over the past couple weeks um we had some really cool things that we did. Uh, we interviewed Charlene Harris, who was the amazing author of all the Suki Stackhouse books, and we talked about a whole bunch of stuff. She was amazing and so fun. Uh, we also interviewed Delia Owens, who was the author of the New York Times bestselling Where the Crawdads Sing, uh, which is really wonderful. And uh, Jill and I did our best books of 2018 as well. So lots of good stuff over the past couple weeks. I don't know, man. Based on our stats, people were definitely listening over the holidays. I, yeah, I know. I saw that too. Um, we also, I don't know, we got a bunch of new social media followers over the holidays as well. So in case, I always laugh when like we get a bunch of new followers on like, Instagram and Twitter. And then our numbers on the podcast don't jump as much as that. And I'm like, hey, thanks for liking our pictures. But... We also say good words on a podcast. We do. We so do. In case those people are listening, there's some good stuff for them. Uh, okay. Speaking of, in case people are relatively new, we're going to do our most the books we're most excited about coming out in January. And for people who are either new or don't know or have heard us say this like 18 times at this point, uh, Jill and I go back and forth. We both create a list ahead of time with the books that we're most excited about for the upcoming year. 
Uh, we don't tell each other ahead of time, which someone actually sent us a, an email and was like, hey, why don't you tell each other ahead of time? Because then you wouldn't have the repeats. And I told them, I was like, it's more fun to be organic and um, see which one, how good we are guessing what the other person's going to have. Uh, you do not need to write all these down. Uh, the entire list will be in the show notes. And I also make an overdrive.com list of all of these books. So, And we'll also put it on social media. Is that ever did I... It is. I will say this, though. I actually like that we don't I, – I like the fact that it's organic because if you just, like, sent me a list of the books, I don't know if it would sound as interesting as when yeah, you're actually telling me about the books. Well, and to be fair, and I'm not, I'm not poking fun of the person who asked because it's, it's a good point. Oh, it's she's, a fair question. She's like, you guys every once – like, the last couple of months, you guys have had, like, four that you both had. Um, that's because there weren't as many we were, like, excited about, but – now, also, like, if you sent me a list and then, like, when it was your turn to talk, I'd be scrolling through, like, okay, what do I have to say next? <laughs> Instead, now I'm right. engaged. So, admittedly, I still sometimes do that. Yeah, I'm... exactly. Yeah, I, there are sometimes like you'll stop talking and I'll look up and be like, oh, it's my turn I, to say. I've definitely done it. Um, did you? I don't. Did you say this? We will have the list of books in the show notes, so you don't have to try and. I said this. You did. Okay. See, mind. you were <laughs> waiting for your turn to talk. Jeez, way to go. <laughs> um, Point taken. <laughs> Okay, so I'm gonna, like, not going to lie. N- normally, we have, like, somewhere between 10 and 20 books total. I have 15 <laughs> of my own. So I think some of these you're also going to have. But I might not get through all of mine because you said you have 10. I have 10. Yeah. And I pur- but I purposely picked ones that you. I'm assuming you would not have, mm. but I guess we'll find out. Okay, so just as a heads up to people, we'll track how long this is going. And if we're getting really long in the tooth... Um, I'll just put the rest of them in the in the show notes and say there's a reason to go look at our show notes. So I suppose since I have more, I should start. Probably. Okay. So my first one, and a, a few of these are I've already read because we're having the authors come on uh, in the next couple of weeks for interviews. So yes, Jill. Now go. Okay. An anonymous girl. Yeah, I I was the one who interviewed these you two. You know what? And I knew that. Uh-huh. And I knew that. But I uh-huh. still put it on my list. Well, I almost That was the one where I was like, I should probably not put well, this on my list. I can confirm that An Anonymous Girl is an amazing book. It's by Greer Hendricks and Sarah Pekinen. Did you read it? Did you get a chance to read it? Um, I started to. I have it. I have an arc. It's, it is good. It's just one of those things where I got it and it was just a lot of stuff going on. Mm-hmm. But um, fun fact. Actually, no. You you finished and also my fun okay. fact. Okay. Um, so... <laughs> So it is all about this woman named Jessica who uh, finds herself in a uh, study on ethics and morality, and she gets asked all of these questions about would she feel guilty if she lied to someone, or um, you know, have you ever deeply hurt someone that you care about, or should a punishment always fit the crime? And then from there, it kind of grows out to she becomes a much more... uh, like there's a much bigger story going on around the morality uh, and ethics kind of thing that she's in. And it just becomes very, very suspenseful. And it's a thriller. I'm so I talked to the authors about it. They'll be on a very soon coming out episode. I don't I told them I was like, I don't want to talk about the plot very much because I was always nervous. I'm going to give away too much, but it's so good. It's wonderful. It's going to be like the next girl on the train. Yes. Gone girl. Right. Um, so I've talked about this before, but, um, my husband every year gives his sister-in-law, uh, like books, like domestic thriller type books, um, as sort of an inside joke. Um, 
And so this year we were trying to figure out what books uh, to give her. And we had uh, two arcs of an anonymous girl. And he um, he gave her that he we got the latest B.A. Paris. And also we gave her this arc of an anonymous girl um, because it's not out yet. So we couldn't actually buy it. But she read it in like a day. <laughs> she, oh, it's a fast read. It's such she a She said it read. was so good. She just devoured it. Uh, so... Yeah, I actually looked on the sale, like the our marketplace sales, like just determines how many libraries have already purchased copies, and so many, all of them. This book is gonna do just absolute ridiculous numbers, and it's worth it. It's so good. Um, The two authors, and we get into this in the interview, so I won't spend a lot of time on it, but they do not live in the same city, but they write every single word together. They either do it over like Google Hangouts, or they have like a monthly kind of trip where they will go to a hotel room and that one of them was in dc one of them was in new york so it's not like it's a hard trip to get to but yeah they write every single word they don't do like the back and forth thing it's really interesting huh yeah they're cool they're, they're really cool people and the conversation i had with them they were both in different places so there's a little talking over each other because there's three of us in three different places but we made it work anyway i'll stop talking about it because you're gonna hear like 45 minutes about it in an upcoming episode so that's an anonymous girl uh, Greer Hendricks and Sarah Pekinen. So my first one is the uh, Paragon Hotel by Lindsay Fay. The year is 1921, and nobody, Alice James, is on a cross-country train carrying a bullet wound and fleeing for her life following an illicit drug and liquor deal gone horribly wrong. Desperate to get as far away as possible from New York City and those who want her dead, she has her sight set on Oregon, a distant frontier that seems the end of the line. She bef- befriends Max, a black Pullman porter who reminds her uh, achingly of Harlem, leads Alice to the Paragon Hotel upon her arrival. Her unlikely sanctuary turns out to be the only black hotel in the city, and its lodgers seem unduly terrified of a white woman on the premises. But as she meets the churlish Dr. Pendleton, the stately uh, Maybarine, and the unforgettable Club Chanteuse Blossom Fontaine, she begins to understand the reason for their dread. The Ku Klux Klan has arrived in Portland in fearful numbers, burning crosses, inciting violence, electing officials, and brutalizing blacks. And only Alice, along with her new family of Paragon residents, are willing to search for a missing child who is mysteriously vanished into the Oregon woods. Two Everything things. about this? Yeah. I'll say two things. One, I knew this, this, this is such a Jill book. And then two, um, I'm ashamed to admit, but like, I was much older than I should have been before I learned that churlish was a word and not like someone saying childish with like just trying to say it awkwardly. I think I think 2019 is a, a year for honesty. And I mean, like not like this year, but like it, I was probably in my 20s before I realized like churlish isn't like a yeah. like, childish slang. Yeah. So um, like, you know, over the past few weeks, admittedly, I've had a lot of Christmas packages sent to the office. <laughs> And one day, which I keep track of, and then one day they're like, you have a package downstairs. And I was like, I'm not expecting it. And it was a copy of this book, and I'm so excited. Mm. Um, so thank you, Penguin Random House. Pretty salty they didn't send me both. <laughs> I think they knew. They knew. Oh, yeah. the publisher. We absolutely have publishers who, like, they'll send me YA fantasy books that so they won't send you. And I'm like, yeah, I want to read that. Thank you. Um, my next one is We Cast a Shadow by Maurice Carlos Ruffin. Did you have this? Mm-mm. Okay. This one feels like a Jill and Adam book. Um, but it was pretty far down on the list. So, this is described by Booklist as a brilliant and devastating debut for fans of Get Out and Paul Be- uh, Paul Beatty's The Sellout. So, it's in 
It's a story told in the near future southern in a near future southern city that's plagued by fenced in ghettos and police violence. Uh, and so more and more residents are turning to this experimental medical treatment where you can uh, remove the melanin from your skin. It's basically black people can make themselves look white if they're able to afford it. Um, like any father, our narrator just wants the best for his son, Nigel, a biracial boy who uh, is getting darker and darker by the day. So the darker Nigel becomes, the more frightened his father feels. But how far will he go to protect his son? And will he destroy his family in the process? It just sounds really really interesting it's being described a little bit as like a ralph ellison or franz kafka book Hmm. um just taking a look at you know racial tension in our in our society and these questions that like 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 the movie get out asked and just sounds really really good and the cover is really interesting too it's just like black and white cover um with a white apple on it but there's like african-american shadows on the cover it looks it's yeah it it will catch your eye if you go past it but it's called we cast a shadow by maurice carlos ruffin sounds really good yeah it looks really interesting my next one is the water cure by sophie mcintosh uh king has tenderly staked out the territory for his wife and three daughters he is laying the barbed wire he has anchored the buoys in the water and he has marked out a clear message do not enter or viewed from another angle not safe to leave here, women are protected from the chaos and violence of men on the mainland, the cult-like rituals and therapies they endure fortify them from the spreading toxicity of a degrading world. But when their father, the only man they've ever seen, disappears, they retreat further inward until the day two men and a boy wash ashore. Over the span of one blistering hot week, a psychological cat-and-mouse game plays out, sexual tensions and sibling rivalries flare as the sisters confront the threat the strangers represent. Can they survive the men? This one, I I got an arc of this book, I think an ALA annual. Seriously? Yes. And so when I saw this on the list for January, I was just like, wait, this hasn't come out yet. <laughs> because, yeah, so I'm, I'm really excited for this book. Um, I think... It has a lot of interesting and timely messages, and I think it's, it's going to do pretty well. Yeah, I also had that on my giant list over here of 15 because I almost was like just making sure that you, in case you didn't, but it, it felt like a Joe book. But yeah, th- I'm just going to tell everyone, there's so many books that come out this month that sound amazing, so I wanted to put them all in here just to be safe. Um, my next one is The First Conspiracy, The Plot to Kill George Washington by Brad Meltzer and John Mensch. Uh, Brad Meltzer is actually coming back on the podcast in, I want to say actually Monday. Um, I should double check that. But uh, he and I spoke before Christmas, which was so much fun. The last time he was on, back in our episodes, like in the 30s, um, we talked a lot about Muppets and one of his fictional books. And uh, this is a story all about, sorry, that sounded like Fresh Prince of (laughs) Bel-Air. I didn't mean to. This (laughs) is a story all about how... George Washington almost got murdered. Um, there was this plot to try and kill George Washington right before the Revolutionary War started. And it basically was like the birth of counterintelligence. And it's this tiny little footnote that you can find in other stories that like mm-hmm. about like nonfiction stories. And no one had really ever explored it that much. So he's he worked on it over the course of like a decade. And it's just really, really interesting. And it's written in the it's written like a thrilling, like a novel. Um they do a really good job of kind of making everything feel like a cliffhanger and it's just so good. And I would read a 
phone book of Brad Meltzer wrote it. He's so wonderful. So that's the first conspiracy. Um, my next one. I'll give me one minute. I want to make sure I pronounce the author's name correctly. Um, is the Gilded Wolves by Roshni Chakshi. You're nodding. Did you? <laughs> yeah. Like I said, I had a long list because okay. I knew that we were going to have a couple. Uh, so it 1889. I have a lot of like historical fiction apparently. Um, okay. <laughs> Me too. There's, so, there's a lot of historical fiction this month. So it was 1889. The city is on the cusp of industry and power. And the Exposition Universelle has breathed new life into the streets and dredged up ancient secrets. Here, no one keeps tags, uh, tabs on dark truths better than treasure hunter and wealthy hotelier uh, severing. When the elite ever-powerful Order of Babel coerces him to help them on a mission, he is offered a treasure that he never imagined, his true inheritance. To hunt down the ancient artifact of the Order Seek, Severin calls upon a band of unlikely experts. An engineer with a debt to pay, a historian banished from his home, a dancer with a sinister past, and a brother in arms, if not blood. Together, they will join him as he explores the dark, glittering heart of Paris. What they might find, what they find might change the course of history, but only if they can stay alive. Um, hello. Gilded Age Paris with, like, whatever's happening here. So, how I talked about, there's a lot of books that, like, fall into both of our, like, wheelhouses. Historical fiction, Gilded Age Paris stuff for you, and it's a YA fantasy. Like, it's, this, we should, we should see who the publisher is. (laughs) See if we can bring her shining on. I've been a long time fan of hers. Um, and actually, speaking of, only because I'm looking at the book as well, um, and I see who blurbed it. Um, I'm just going to say King of Scars by Lee Bardugo comes out this month. Uh, Lee is one of my favorite human beings on earth. Uh, I got to interview her like a long time ago and still every time I see her to show, like she'll stop her book signings to come give me a hug. And she's amazing. She also called my wife a real life Wonder Woman, which was like the coolest moment I think in my life. Uh, she wrote all of the books in the Grishaverse and she doesn't need us to promote her books. This is going to sell a trillion copies, but... Uh, it's a new book in her Grishaverse that she's created, and the cover is beautiful, and it's called King of Scars. I'm not even going to talk about it. Just if you're a fan of YA fantasy, go read all of her stuff. She's amazing. So was that your next book? Yeah, that's okay. why I was just going to get it out you there. You just sort of like went into it. I was like, I know. Well, he... I just rolled it because they were like, I had them right next no, to no, each no, other. No, no, I totally get it. I totally get it. Yeah. But I was just like, is that is that what's happening right now? Is this is? <laughs> yeah, that's it. Yeah, that was it. Okay. King of Scars. <laughs> Um, my next book is Burned by Edward Humes. On April 9, 1989, Joanne Park survived a house fire that claimed the lives of her three small children. Though the fire at first seemed a tragic accident, investigators soon reported finding evidence proving that Parks had sabotaged wiring, set several fires herself, and even barricaded her four-year-old son inside a closet to prevent his escape. Though she insisted she did nothing wrong... Joanne Parks received a life sentence without parole based on the power of forensic fire science that convincingly proved her guilt. But more than a quarter century later, a revolution in the science of fire has exposed many of the incontrovertible. In- I can't say that word. <laughs> <laughs> I just can't. Okay. Um, many- <laughs> You're doing great. Uh, anyway, um, many. Uh, it's a. Uh, Revolution of the Science of Fires exposed many of the truths of 1989 is guesswork in disguise. The California Innocence Project is challenging Park's conviction and the so-called science behind it, claiming that false assumptions and over outright bias convicted an innocent mother of a crime that never happened. Uh, okay, so, like, I don't even know where to start with this, but... 
<laughs> one true crime. I'm always a fan of that. But I, I like this idea of um, sort of looking at, you know, like what really happened. Mm-hmm. So that's Burned yeah. by Edward Humes. Uh, my next one is The Dreamers by Karen Thompson Walker. Uh, a strange illness induces sleep and heightens dreams in an isolated college town, transforming the lives of ordinary people in this mesmerizing novel by best-selling, by the best-selling author of The Age of Miracles, which is Karen Thompson Walker. So basically, this college girl tells her friends that she's feeling really, really tired, and the next morning they find her. She's still breathing, but they can't wake her up. And then within a few days, a bunch of other students start falling asleep, and they can't wake them up again. They're alive. Um, but this sleeping sickness is spreading all around. And they uh, quarantine the whole area, and then they, they find out that if, as they look at their brain activity, like they're definitely dreaming about something crazy, but they have no idea what it is. And they're trying to figure out how to wake them up. Um, are they dreaming? Are they in some other state? What's going on? It just sounds really creepy and interesting. Um, I'm very interested in it. So it's The Dreamers by Karen Thompson Walker. My next one is The Similars by Rebecca Hanover. Do you have it on your list? No, but it's literally, it's literally, if we're recording this, it was, that was one Monday's episode was Rebecca. Oh my gosh, that's right. Yeah. Because I interviewed her like 11 months ago. That's right. That's why I forgot. No, so. yeah, it's fine. Okay. So, I mean, I don't want to talk too much about it then. This is you just interviewed her. Right? I did. That's it's fine. <laughs> it's still awesome. No, I, I totally forgot about that. So, um. The Similars, it takes place at a prestigious boarding school um, called Darkwood Academy. Emmeline is just sort of trying to survive because her best friend Oliver died over the summer. And then six new students are joining the class, only they're not just regular students. They're actually clones, not just clones. They look like her best friend. Mm-hmm. So that's all sorts of awkward. <laughs> and um, yeah, I mean, you know, sounds good to me. It's really, really fun. It's really fun. I highly recommend it. I think people will really like it. And in case you missed our last episode, because I know that our January or our monthly episodes always get more listeners, go back one episode and you can listen to Rebecca and I talk about it for a long time. Um, My next one is Ghost Wall by Sarah Moss. Um, In the north of England, far from intrusions of cities, but not far from civilization, Sylvia and her family are living as if they are ancient Britons, surviving by the tools and knowledge of the Iron Age. For two weeks, the length of their father's vacation, they join an anthropology course set to reenact life in simpler times. They're surrounded by forests of birch and rowan. They make stew from foraged roots and hunted rabbits. And the students are fulfilling their coursework, and Sylvie's father is fulfilling his lifelong obsession. He's raised her on stories of early man, taking uh, taken her to witness rare artifacts, recounted time and time again, all these ancient rituals and beliefs, particularly their sacrifices to the bog. Mixing with the students, Sylvie begins to see, hear, and imagine another kind of life, one that might include going to university, traveling beyond England, choosing her own clothes and food, and speaking her mind. Um, These ancient Britons that they are living like used to build ghost walls to ward off enemy invaders, uh, rude barricades of stakes topped with ancestral skulls. When the group builds one of their own, they find a spiritual connection of the past. What comes next but human sacrifice? Yeah, I, I feel like this starts as like an interesting play on that movie the village and then turns into some kind of like horror novel and i'm very interested to see where it goes i almost put it on my list but did not so yeah it sounds really good yeah ghost wall by sarah moss my next one is looker by laura sims um this is about a woman who um is childless and uh 
single and then um a beautiful actress like very famous actress moves in down the street from her um and she becomes obsessed so sold <laughs> yeah that sounds really good um man a lot of obsession creepy ones too this month so uh, neither of us have said it i the only woman in the room did you put it on your list or no marie i did not because i thought you would okay i did <laughs> <laughs> All right, so the only woman in the room is Marie Benedict's latest novel. Uh, Long-time listeners will know that Marie is one of our favorite people in the world. She's been on a couple times, and she's going to be in our office in, like, two weeks. So yeah, we she is. hang out and talk about this. Um, Marie's uh, kind of awesome wheelhouse is she takes women in history that haven't gotten kind of their proper due, and she tells their story. A lot of it is historically accurate, but then she fills in the blanks and kind of creates a novel out of her story, uh, out of these particular people's stories. So this one is all about Hedy Lamar and her life before she became a famous actress. Uh, she was heavily involved in like Austrian and Nazi relations because her husband was this man who was in charge of like Austrian. He was an Austrian arms dealer. He was like the wealthiest man in Austria. And there's all these conversations and stuff that they that he has with like Mussolini and Hitler and all these people. And she's heavily involved in these conversations, but she's also kind of like held prisoner by him because he's an overbearing white (laughs) male, as many of them are. Um, It's just so good. And she is like she goes on to become like a scientist and she knows her life is, is so interesting. And I was so excited when I got this. So. I'm like halfway through it right now. It's wonderful. Well, all of her books are. That's true. We love you, Marie. Yes. Um, my next one is The Plotters by Unsu Kim. Behind every assassination, there is anonymous mastermind, a plotter working in the shadows. Plotters quickly, quietly dictate the moves of the city's most dangerous criminals, but their existence is little more than legend. Just who are the plotters and more important, what do they want? Rensing is an assassin raised by a cantankerous killer named Old Raccoon in the crime headquarters, the library, Rensing never questioned anything, where to go, who to kill, or why his home was filled with books that no one ever read. But one day he steps out of line on a job, uh, toppling a set of carefully calibrated plans. And when he uncovers an extraordinary scheme set into motion by an eccentric trio of young women, um, including a convenience store clerk, her wheelchair-bound sister, and a cross-eyed librarian, Rensing will have to decide if he'll remain a pawn or finally take control of the plot. God, there's so many good books coming I know. out this month. This sounds awesome. I know. Also, Old Raccoon. What a good Right? Name. Old Raccoon is so good. Um, and the crime headquarters are known as the, the library. library. Yeah, it's phenomenal. Uh, my next one is Annalise by David R. Gillum. Uh, this basically asks the question, uh, what if Anne Frank survived the Holocaust? And so the year is 1945. Anne Frank is 16 years old. Uh, she survived the concentration camps, but she lost her mother and her sister, and she's reunited with her father in newly liberated Amsterdam. Uh, but it's not easy to fit the pieces of their life back together. Anne is adrift, haunted by the ghosts of all the horrors that they experienced. Uh, her diary has been lost, and her dreams of becoming a writer seem distant and now pointless. And it just kind of tells a story about what would have potentially happened if uh, I bless you. Thank you. If Anne Frank had, had lived. So it just seems really interesting. And... I have a very unique take on things. Um, also, speaking of Amsterdam, really quickly, uh, 
I don't know if you saw on Instagram, but so our good friend Marika is from the Netherlands. Correct. And she lives in Amsterdam most some of the time. Uh, Zoraida Cordova, one of our also good friends. V.E. Schwab, who we've never met, but is amazing. I would love to meet V.E. I would too. And Daniel Clayton, all, uh. I did see that. Yeah. Yeah. All of these New York Times bestselling YA authors were just hanging out in New, on New Year's Eve together. Uh, in Amsterdam, and I've never been more. Je- Zoraida was posting all those things, and I was sending her DMs. I was like, I've never been more jealous of anything in my entire life. And they they took a picture of Marika and Ve and Danielle like walking in the street, and it looks like it looks like it would be the next Wonder Woman movie. It looks so. I was so jealous. Yeah. Cool humans. Right. Yeah. Uh, my next one is called Breaking and Entering by Jeremy N. Smith. This is about a um, hacker. From the 1990s, a woman hacker um, named Alien. And uh, she was sort of, um, when she first arrived at MIT in the 1990s, she was quickly drawn to the school's tradition of high-risk physical trespassing, original hacking. And within one year, one of her hallmates was dead and two others were arraigned. Alien's adventures were only just beginning. Um so she was recruited by a top cybersecurity firm later, um, where she deployed her cache of virtual weapons and the trespassing, trespassing and social engineering talents she had devi- developed while hacking at MIT. Um, this, she's like in the mythology, that's not the right word, but like in the history of hacking and all that, Alien is, is, um, one of the more well known and, um, top hackers, and so I'm really interested to uh, to learn and see about her. Yeah, that also sounds. These all sound so good. I know. Uh, my next one is called "Here and Now and Then" by Mike Chen. Um, hey, that rhymes. Uh, to save his daughter, he'll go anywhere and any when. Ken Stewart is an everyday family man working in IT, trying to keep the spark in his marriage, struggling to connect with his teenage daughter Miranda. But his current life is a far cry from his previous career as a time-traveling secret agent from 2142. I love it. Yeah. So he's stranded in suburban San Francisco since the 90s after a botched mission, and he's kept his past hidden from everyone around him despite increasing blackouts and memory loss. And so one afternoon, his quote-unquote rescue team comes to find him, but they're 18 years too late. So their mission is to return Kin to 2142, where in their time, he's only been gone a few weeks. Uh, but he has his whole life in the past and this this life in the in the future, and he's trying to balance all these different things, and he's having memory loss. It just sounds so fun. I'm so into this. It sounds super good. Um, it does sound really good. Plus, um, the cover is a guy running on um, what are they called? Mobius a Mobius strip? Is it like the thing that I'm doing? Really, I think it's called a Mobius strip, where it's basically like you fold the paper a certain way. And you're always on oh, the yes. outside. It's right. A yes. Mobius strip. Am I right? Yes, you are correct. Okay, I'm doing a bad job of describing what a Mobius strip is. If you aren't familiar, but I had this. I took this class in college. This is how you know you're an English major. I took a class called Math and Creativity, and like my math class that I had to take for college, like we read Alice in Wonderland and did word problems from from literature. And Mobius strips is one of the things that we learned about these really weird strips of paper. Please talk about a book so okay. I'll stop talking. <laughs> this is my last one. How many more do you have left? Um, I'm just going to do one more. Okay. My last one is Black is the Body by Emily uh, Bernard. I am black and brown too, writes Emily Bernard. Brown is the body I was born to. Black is the body of the stories I tell. They're essays about 
Um, they, the essays go beyond a narrative of black innocence and white guilt and how each is anchored in mystery and how each sets out to discover a new way of telling the truth as the author has lived it. Um, I've heard a lot of really good things about this one, so I'm, I'm very excited. Yeah. Uh, the last one I'm going to talk about is called An Orchestra of Minorities. Almost put it on my list, but did not. By Chigozie Obioma. I think it's Obioma. Um, a heartbreaking story about a Nigerian poultry farmer who sacrifices everything to w- win the woman he loves. And so what happens is there's this woman who is considering committing suicide and this chicken farmer shows her how terrible that would be by throwing two of his prized chickens into the water below and showing her the severity of the fall. Uh, the woman in Dali is stopped in her tracks and then bonded by this night on the bridge. They fall in love, uh, but Nidali is from this wealthy family and struggles to imagine a future near a chicken coop uh, when her family objects to the, uh, to the union because he's uneducated. Uh, the chicken farmer, Chinanso, sells most of his possessions to attend college. But when he arrives, he discovers there's no place at the school for him and that he has been utterly duped by the young Nigerian who has made the arrangements for him. Penniless, homeless, and furious at the world, which continues to relegate him in his silence, uh, Chinanso gets further away from his dream from Indali and from the farm he called home. Here's the part that's crazy about this. Spanning continents, traversing the earth, and cosmic spaces, and told by a narrator who has lived for hundreds of years, this novel is a contemporary twist on Homer's Odyssey. I am so into this. This sounds amazing. So that is An Orchestra of Minorities by Chigozi Obioma. And I have a couple more, but I'll, we'll just put them at the end of the list. Okay. Because, frankly, I'm tired of talking a lot. Um, so a bunch of books this this uh, this month. If you, there's ones that you're excited about, just tweet at us or send us a message on Instagram or something or send us an email. Be happy to uh, happy to to share them with other people. And then one other thing, a couple different people have sent us emails and like direct messages asking us to find books for them that they've forgotten about and just like kind of giving us a description. If you have like a Lost Connections kind of a book, I'm not going to read about them. I'm not going to read them on the podcast. But if you want to email us, we'll be happy to try to help you track them down because we have staff librarians here. Um, but I don't want to read out loud my suggestions and then have them be wrong on the podcast. So, But if there's like a book that you can't remember, you can't think about, uh, feel free to email us and maybe our staff librarians can help you. Make no promises if we're going to get it right or not. I think that's everything. I think so. Cool. All right. Well, happy new year again, guys. I hope you have a wonderful start to your 2019. Yes. A week from today is our 300th episode. Mm-hmm. And we have some fun stuff coming up. Yeah. You're going to want to listen into that. Yeah. Just FYI. Yes. Um, good save. That's crazy. Okay. All right. I hope you guys enjoyed all these books and enjoyed our chatter on this episode of the Professional Book Nerds Podcast. Readers can sample and borrow the titles mentioned in today's episode from Overdrive.com, and our library friends can add these titles to their collections and marketplace. It's lunchtime at Tim Hortons, and we're serving up a special deal just for you. Our new $5.99 lunch deal includes your choice of any lunch sandwich and a side of crunchy kettle chips. Because what's lunch without a little crunch? And the sandwich choice is all yours. Like a ham and Swiss, Chipotle chicken wrap, BLT, and more. Made to order just the way you like it. 
Tim Horton's new lunch deal. Simple, delicious, and just $5.99. Now that's a good deal. Only at your neighborhood Tim's. U.S. only. Price and participation vary. Terms apply.